Welcome to church, everybody. Uh, let me catch you up on where we've been for the last, gosh, I think it's been most of the fall. Uh, we've been in a series called Relational Formation, looking at uh, what does it mean to actually get a new heart? What does it mean for God to actually transform our hearts, not just behavior modification, not just tweaking activities, but actually getting a new heart? Um, uh, yeah, being transformed. We throw that word around a lot. Oh, yeah, transformed, this and that. But like, Let's delve into the nitty-gritty of it. So where we've got so far is that uh, we're in this, we're in the, we're, we're, man, there's a, there's a large overarching story, but we've been spending a lot of time uh, in the last couple of weeks talking about truth, okay? So we've talked about how truth is important, how it shapes our beliefs. We've talked about how we need to assess those truths against scripture. And, and last week, we talked, we introduced this concept of abiding. And uh, last week, as far as we got was, Abiding is this, uh, is the objective of what scripture is actually trying to get us to do. So we can learn about the Bible, we can read the autobiography, or we can actually get to know the person. And scripture is perfectly designed to introduce us to God, which kind of makes up for a lot of the things that we talked about last week. There's some confusing stuff in there. You ever just read scripture? We talked about the fact that there's, sometimes there's paradoxes. Sometimes the interpretations can be really, really different. And if we just treat scripture as this rigid book, sometimes it can be really, really confusing. Uh, but the person of Jesus and the Holy Spirit working through scripture is a lot different because it's personal and knowing him actually changes us. So what we thought we'd do today, uh, oh, sorry, the, the main line from last week is that knowing God changes us. Not just knowing things about God, not just knowing some neat facts or some interesting ideas or having a good experience even, actually knowing him is what changes us, okay? So that's where we introduced this concept of abiding. And so we thought we'd spend two weeks on this uh, topic of abiding because uh, it's actually really, it sounds simple, you know, abide, just like rest is, is one, sometimes it's re, uh, the word rest is used, it's remain, it's dwell, there's lots of other synonyms, the, the New Testament really has a, in, in English, it has a hard time picking which words to use when they're, when they're talking about abide, so they have to use a bunch. Uh, abide's kind of an old-fashioned one, but I like it. And so we thought we'd spend another week delving into what, what is actually abiding, what is that, and how do we do that? So, Jesus says, abide with me, dwell with me. Uh, what are the implications of abiding? What are the implications of actually being so close, knowing him, dwelling with him? And there's this big chunk of scripture that we're going to spend our entire time in, which is the main verse on abiding. And I have one slide today behind us, and it's just the verse. So you can put it up there. It's kind of a big chunk. This is the John 15 abide in you and you and me thing. I'm not taking it off the screen because we're going to, we need the whole thing. Because it's just so, it's, oh man, it's, uh, I, got, I got bested by this verse this week. I just, it, it wrecked me. <laughs> I just, man, I was on this journey of trying to preach something that I wanted to preach through it. Well, I mean, we'll get there in a second. But uh, I'm going to read it. We're going to read the whole thing so that we're all on the same page. And then we're going to try and dissect this thing because it's, uh, it's a doozy. So let's read it together. You can turn there. I'm going to read out of the English Standard Version because it uses the word abide instead of remain. But if you have NIV, just replace, remain, and abide. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it might bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. 
Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, it, uh, he, uh, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, quick stop. Uh, apart from me, you can do nothing. This reminded me of another, so we, we need to kind of get to the bottom of like, what is this fruit he's talking about? Like, I thought we were talking about abiding, and now we're talking about fruit a ton, actually. This is the first thing that kind of threw me for a loop. When you wanted to read about abide, I would expect to be, I don't know about you, my expectation, if we're talking about abiding, is we would just, the verses would be about how to be close somehow, or describe to me ways that we can be more intimate and, 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 and know you more. And, but now he keeps talking about fruit. So I'm a little confused. Uh, this whole idea that for apart from me you can do nothing reminded me of 1 Corinthians 13 where it says this, uh, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gifts of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. So if we're kind of putting those verses together, this idea, there's a lot of stuff you can do. Because I'm looking at this going, apart from me, apart from you, I can do nothing. I can do lots. I I can do lots of things. I do lots of things apart from you every day. What does he mean by nothing? I think it's love. Like true, selfless uh, extending the love of Christ that's loved because we're loved first, like the purest form of love. This is what he's talking about. And First Corinthians, that verse is like, you can do all these cool things. Uh, there's another verse, you can cast out demons in my name, but you cannot know me. Like, you can do tons of stuff, and yet it's considered nothing unless it's driven out of a motive of love. That starts with him. Interesting. Verse 6, let's keep reading. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Here's more fruit talk. If you, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abided in his love. Okay, quick stop again. What are the commandments? Let's remind ourselves. What are these commandments he's talking about? Romans 13.8 puts it nicely. It says, uh, it, says, it says this, Let no doubt remain outstanding, except the continued debt to love one another, for whoever loves has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not murder, commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, their neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Okay, so this commandments he's talking about, again, it's about loving other people and bearing fruit again. Not what, I'm just, again, not what I was thinking with the abiding thing. He just keeps talking about fruit and loving other people and fulfilling the law, which is about love. And Okay, cool. Let's keep going. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Okay, I'm tracking again. Verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. 
No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed that you should go and bear much fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in my, the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. So this is the big abiding verse, guys. And uh, so just kind of to drive the point home in my confusion, um, I was a little confused as to why all the uh, evidence or all of the, uh, the ways in which we seem to measure our level of abiding is all about these external criteria. They just seem to be external to me. He says, I love you a few times, but then he goes back to fruit and stuff. And so, I don't know, I'm wrestling with this stuff. Let's, let's just I'll repeat something back to you. Um, verse 8, uh, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. That's an ugly word. 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. An if statement? If you keep my commandments? What is going on? 16, you did not chose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. 17, these things I command you, so that you will love one another. So I was wrestling with this, guys, because um, I, uh, I want to know what, what, God's try- like what Jesus is trying to accomplish with this. And I don't think it's actually super complicated. Uh, there's something about the way that he's talking about abiding, where he's talking... This is, the, this is the best that I can read, and we'll get into some more verses of why I believe this is true. But he's giving us a picture of his heart. He's giving us a picture of, of what his heart is. And if you abide in me, you get his heart. Like he dwells within you. Like he, he is living in you, and you're asking for his heart. So, uh, so he says, um, so you want a new heart? Cool, there's one option in the vending machine. You know, you go, you go out to the vending machine, there's one little thing left, and it's called God's heart. It's like, all right, I want that one. That's the one I get. And I'm reading this, and I'm going, man, I, uh, do I want to be, do I want to just uh, have the experience of feeling loved by you, or do I actually want your heart? Hear, hear the difference in that, okay? Because this is really, really important for the rest of the sermon. There's two things going on. One is, I want to feel loved by you. Not bad. I, wanna, I want that. But it seems to be that there's some other objective going on here that God's like, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to give you a new heart, though. That's how I'm going to love you. I'm not going to love you with just feelings, although I hope they come. It says, these things I've spoken to you, that your joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. But He's doing more of an overhaul than explaining how much he just loves us super eloquently, although that happens elsewhere in Scripture, and we'll get there too. So, abiding is, is getting his heart. He's, he will settle for nothing less than giving you all of himself, like all of who he is, and he is love. Love in its fullness, in its, in its broad-sweeping Oh, it's such a full thing. So here's, um, here's, the, here's the, uh, another verse that I think gives, uh, gives a picture into what God's heart is, or Jesus' heart is. 
that I've always had trouble with, okay? And it's the sheep and the goats passage. Maybe you know this. I'm going to read it out. Uh, again, it's kind of long. I'm sorry. But this is, a, this is a really interesting time where Jesus, again, is explaining where his heart lies. Like, people are asking, who are you? And he's like, okay, this is my heart. Check this out. Uh, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance and the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you with a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And so I feel like when we're reading this abide verse, God just can't help but talk about this. I, <laughs> it's so hard to explain. But when he's talking about abiding, he's like, yeah, and check, check out what you would get to do then if you had my heart. If you knew me, see how that would affect. Like, when you feed the, when you feed the hungry, you're, you're loving me. Like, he just, he can't help but describe himself in the context of loving relationship with all of creation. And how confusing was that for the people in this verse going, when did we, when did we love you? When did we, when did we, when did we feed you, Lord? When did we... When did we do anything for you? I don't remember any of that. And he's like, no, no, no. When, all, when you serve those people, and, and, when you, and, when you, and when you abided in my love, you, uh, you, you, you loved them, and then you loved me. And so, shoot, I'm reading this, and I'm going, okay, here's my, here's my little confession, guys. I have a little confession for you this week. Is that, uh, you know what I was hoping to do for Abide Part 2? Is... Uh, I was going to be like, you know what we're going to do is uh, we're going to talk about, uh, I just really wanted to preach a sermon that was, that didn't involve loving others at all. I'd, re I'd be honest with you, I did. I was trying desperately to preach a sermon about the heart of God and abiding with him that didn't involve others, just you and him. I worked so hard. I, like, I'm, I'm on my sermon. I can, this is how far I can. I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling to all of my initial drafts. Now I'm way down here. <laughs> At the end, I am, I'm reading this abide verse, and I'm going, okay, where, how do I talk about this without guilting anybody out? How do I talk about this without talking about fruit at all? And I was, I was like redacting all the fruit lines <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm just black across that. Command, ooh, prove, ugh. Fruit, ugh, again. I really, and you guys will tell you from the multiply retreat, I was like, I was in more turmoil over this sermon than I have been in a super long time. I was confused, super lost. I felt like I had nothing to say. I felt so insecure. 
felt zero freedom to preach. And uh, I'm trying to contort this thing. And actually, uh, Matt, Matt Johnson said something super helpful to me yesterday. He's like, uh, Who's, whose word are you preaching again? Ah, shoot. Whose word are you? Which gospel are you preaching? Whose heart are you talking about again? Like, I think it's mine <laughs> that I'm trying to explain. And I just felt so convicted. I just felt so convicted. So then God and I had a conversation. And he's like, uh, oh, man, I get a little I get goosebumps thinking about it. But um, I, I, just felt like, I just felt like what he told me, he's like, you don't trust me, do you? You don't trust me with, with people's hearts. You don't trust, you're not going to entrust the people in, in this church's, you're not going to trust their hearts to me? You're not going to trust that I would love them in this way? Who are you? We had a little argument. Actually, it was very one-sided. <laughs> he was like, like, who made man's mouth, Jonathan? Who... Who are you to decide what's most loving? Who are you to say what is ultimately beneficial for people? Are you really going to dilute my heart for this world and your attempt to explain me? Are you really going to dilute my love for humanity (laughs) when you're talking about abiding with me? Don't bother introducing me then, please, to these people. Oh, man. Man, did I wrestle with that. You would sit in judgment over me. I wrote down all the things he told me. <laughs> well, I was, sitting in ju- I was sitting in judgment over him. And as I came to a moment of personal repentance going, I have no idea what love is. I have no idea what it is. I have this super skewed Western consumption idea of love that I think is just so... It's not wrong, but it is one-sided, or it's incomplete, maybe is a better word. And so then I went on this little journey. I'm like, all right, fine. <laughs> We're not going to skip the fruit stuff, but you got to explain to me how this is good news to people. Like, explain to me how this abiding thing works with how it just immediately is supposed to bear fruit and have that not be some guilt trip. What are you doing? So then, so then something jumped out at me. And this is the little, uh, this, is, this jumped out at me. It was verse 9. You can find it. You can read along with me. Verse 9. <clears throat> As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Let's read it again. As the Father, as the Father has loved me, Jesus speaking, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. As the Father, okay, so what does that mean? This, this, this abide verse comes, all this stuff comes right after Jesus announces the fact that he's going to go be crucified. And all his disciples are very confused. And then he goes on to talk about abide and he says, as the Father has loved me. He knows the Father's about to send him to the cross. Like, the Father is like, I, you're going to go you're going to go save the world by laying your life down for it. As the Father has loved me. He is not differentiating between laying his life down and being loved. I'm going to say that again. Jesus does not contrast the laying down of his life 
with feeling loved by the Father. I do all the time. That's like, actually, I have the inverse definition of love sometimes. When it doesn't cost me anything, I feel loved. The, as the Father has loved me, I'm going to send you to the cross. And he says, abide in that love. As the Father has loved me, abide in, oh, I'm going to love you in the same way. Oh, man. So Jesus has a little wobble moment. It's one of my favorite moments in scripture, eh? John 14, 30 to 31. It comforts me that this wasn't just like, oh, great, I'm going to go die on the cross. Like, listen to this. Um, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Father, if you're willing, I don't actually want to do this. <laughs> this is not my first option. <clears throat> then he says, yet, not my will, but your will be done. As the Father has loved me. That's just yet not my will, but your will be done. John 14, 30, 31 says this. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is right before all this verse, okay? This is right, like literally immediately before this. Check this out. Jesus says this. He's explaining how he's going to go to the cross. He's explaining how he's going to, well, he's trying to explain. He's a little vague because he, uh, he says, I will no longer talk much with you um, about this stuff, all right? Like you're not going to understand it. I'm not going to talk more about this whole death. and You're just not going to get it. I'm not going to talk much more, more about it with you except the fact that it's going to happen. For the ruler of this world is coming being the enemy. You know what he says? He says, he has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. He's saying, uh, I'm going to go die. For, for, I'm going to go lay my life down, and the enemy has no claim on me. And in fact, this is how I'm going to love the Father. But I do as the Father has commanded so the world may know that I love the Father. Again, zero contrast somehow between love and being loved. I just, wow, I could barely wrap my head around that. And what it speaks to me of is the immense trust that Jesus has in his Father's plan for his life. So much trust, just abandoned to whatever the Father would ask him to do, yet not my will, but your will be done. And in that trust, there's this amazing ability to not have to differentiate between whether I'm going to pay, or I'm going I'm to suffer, or whether I'm going to be loved. It's just, no, I just trust you. And the enemy has no hold on me here. Zero hold on me. He can't do anything to me, Jesus speaking. I'd go do that. I'd go do that because it's not up to me. Unbelievable freedom in that level of trust that I'm jealous of. Verse 12, it sounds like the verse 9, as the fathers loved me. Look, look at verse 12. <clears throat> this is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. As I've loved you. Well, what did he do? How did he love us? Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the 
You can chew on that forever. But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is my commandment that you, verse 12, where is it? This is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. In the abide verse, in the abide section, Matthew 16, 24 to 25 says this, Then Jesus told the disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I've read that verse 700 times. And when I look at it in the context of abiding, I'm like, I don't believe that denying myself has anything to do with abiding. To me, abiding sounds like something I consume. And so here's, my, here's the thing that I just, I just had to write down. And uh, I think abiding is laying your life down with Jesus, like he did. And somehow, that's freedom. Somehow the enemy has no claim on me. Somehow that's how I am with God. Somehow that's how I'm with him, and when I'm with him, I'm changed, and when I'm changed, I'm free, and I'm, I'm loved, and, but, it's, but, it's, but it's just right here, black and white. Whoever loves his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is the, this is the gospel. So check this out, verse 13. He says it even in this verse. I, can't even, I couldn't even get away with it. Look at this. Thir- get away from it. 13. 13. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay his life down for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. It's even built in there. He is harping on this idea that there is a connection between our lives being laid down for his sake and being with him and, and being whole and complete and loved in that place. So, I had to ask myself a question. How long will I contrast laying my life down with being loved? How long will I contrast those? I don't think they're opposites. If I'm preaching the gospel, I don't think they're opposites. Verse 11 says, These things I have spoken to you, that your joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Guys, I think what we're talking about here, and I think that all Jesus is ever talking about, is salvation saved, actually saved, actually saved, not, not, uh, not pep-talked, not convinced, not uh, argued into something, just total freedom, set free. And I love Jesus' line here where he says, he has no claim on me because I do as the Father commands. He has no claim on me because I do as the, as the Father commands. And so for me, what, come, what, what salvation comes down to, and we know this has always been true, but for me, salvation just comes down to trust. Salvation comes down to trust. And I'm, I'm sorry, but I can't stand up here with any sort of confidence, except in myself, and say that uh, we have to pick and choose. We have to pick and choose between loving and being loved. That's not the God that I know. He's not that cruel. 
He's not so cruel that he would go, you got to figure this out, then you're going to ping pong between back over there, and then when, when, when this gets a little boring, then you got to go over here, and then, and then you read this verse when you're over here, so you get back over here. And I feel like he just watches us ping pong between these two things, and he's like, abide in my love. Abide in me and bear much fruit. Be my disciples. Lay your life down for your friends. Follow me. Do as I command. Abide in me. Know me. Stop ping-ponging. Stop processing this through your own lens. I want to be with you, and here's where I am. So I feel like we do this. We go, God, I want to know you, and I want to abide with you. I want to be set free. Of course we all say that, right? I want to be set free, Lord. I want to know you. I, know, I, I get that idea that knowing you changes me. I know that. So I want to know you, right? And we say that. And he's like, great. Come over here. Come over here. Look at, look at all this stuff we get to do together. Look at my world. Look how much I love this person. And he starts talking about, he starts talking about his creation and how much he loves things. And then we're standing over here going like, whoa, I don't know. I said, it's, oh, hi. I said I wanted to be loved. Remember? Remember how this was about? And he's like, no, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm gonna, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm setting you free. Come here. I'm setting you free. Come, come with me. I'm going to pull you out of your stuff. We're going to do this thing together. We're going to lay our lives down together. And I think we just, I've stood here for most of my life not believing that, that that's loving. I just don't believe it because I'm selfish and prideful and I don't trust him. And yet when I read scripture and when I read Jesus' life, he is interested in a whole lot more than saying some nice things to me they're giving me some good ideas. He's trying to lead me. How, how often do we say that word follow Jesus? I want to follow him. I want to follow him. I want to follow him. Yeah. Where's he going? He loves this world. And he loves it so much. And he wants to give you his heart. He wants to give you a whole new one. His. And if there's parts of that that aren't jiving with you, then don't take it. You don't have to have it. He's not forcing you to do anything. He doesn't, he's trying to set you free. This is all for you. The new heart is all for you. It's for your freedom and for your salvation. And we can say, sorry, I have a better plan. We can say it. I do it all the time. And let's read one more verse together because I feel like it sums it up well for us. It's John 4, 7 to 13. It says this. <clears throat> just listen just, I'm going to close your eyes or something I don't know <clears throat> beloved let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love and in this love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, uh, or this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this, 
we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. That's it. By this we know we abide in him. And so I've started to process this for the last 24 hours. <laughs> and, uh, and I choose, I choose to trust his definition of what sets me free. I can't explain it that well. I kind of tried today. That's going to take a lifetime if we really want to understand how God abides in us and his love is perfected in and through us. <laughs> Try to understand that in a morning. So you know what I've resolved to do? I'm just going to trust that that's true. I'm just going to trust that that's true. And I'm going to do? I'm going to keep his commandments. I'm going to bear much fruit. I'm going to love other people. I'm going to love him. I'm going to soak in the idea that I was died for while I was a sinner. I'm just going to rest in that. I'm going to do what he says. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what he says. I'm not going to judge his motives. He is love. We don't, we don't define God with love. God defines love. How amazing is that? So I trust him. I just do. And so here's, here's, what, here's my prayer for you this morning. And it's the same thing that I was, my prayer was when I was trying to preach my own sermon and not preach the gospel. Uh, my prayer is that you would be overwhelmed with the love that God has for you. Just blown away by it. Uh, experiencing it in a way maybe that you've never experienced before. Feeling it, for crying out loud. In other words, you've never felt it before. Nothing wrong with those things. But oh, what I long that it stems out of a place of trust in him. And that wouldn't it somehow replace obedience and we wouldn't idolize those feelings, but that we'd actually know him and walk with him and abide in him. And in that place of absolute trust and absolute intimacy and absolute obedience and all the other absolutes, that the depth of that love that you feel would be substantiated in your entire life, that there'd be no place you could run from his love because there's just some non-negotiables in your heart. This is what I've signed up to do. And for what it's worth, guys, is one testimony, Jonathan's testimony, all right? Take it for what it is. I am the most free when I am the most submitted and trusting to all that he's asked me to do. And I feel the most loved and the most accepted when I have no back doors. Call me crazy. That's my story. <laughs> and uh, I invite you into that. I invite you into the gospel. I invite you into laying your life down. That's what I invite you to do. Galatians 2.20, for it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. So the life I, I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not mine. It isn't. I don't have much, but my life isn't mine. And I'm free. Because he deserves to rule it. The worship team, you guys can come up. And uh, we're, we're going to sing a song we haven't sang in a while. It's just how he loves. It's a song, how he loves. Oh, he loves us so. And I would invite you to sing out that, that's such a simple chorus. Um, 
Would you sing it out from a place of trust? Sing it out from a place of obedience. Sing it out from a place that doesn't have your intellect and understanding somehow between you and it. We'll sing those things out in a way that sets us free, because it does. Father, we are uh, so grateful for the love that you give us. We're so grateful that you don't just, you don't just love us externally. You don't just love us in a way that's consumed. You actually set us free. Your love sets us free and gives us a new heart. It gives us your heart. God, I want your heart. So Father, you would love me so much that you would give me a new heart. You'd love me so much that you'd call me into something that can only happen if I have your heart. So Lord, I just, I ask that you would, by your grace, by your miracle of your spirit here in this place, that you would throw away anything I said that, that, that casted guilt on people or that didn't ring true, but all the words of your spirit of your spirit that is only about love, that is only about comfort, that is only about being a helper, that is only for us. It, is, it, only, it, has, it keeps no record of wrongs. It, it's all that we need. Would, would your spirit be what rings true here today? And I think there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. And so, Father, we run to you not condemned, not guilty for maybe ways we've thought of things, just abandoned to you and all that that would imply. And Lord, I do ask, I do ask that you would give us the ability to follow you, really follow you, both for the sake of others, but also I believe that it sets me free. I believe that following you actually sets me free. And I stand on that truth. I don't second guess you. It's not my job. I am so grateful I have a God that is, that it's his, it says your love surpasses understanding, and I believe that that is true. Thank you that your love surpasses my understanding. We're so grateful for that. And so we choose to worship you in a, in a, from a place of freedom, not from a place of striving, just from a place of freedom. So God, would you, would you um, yeah, would your spirit just be present here as we respond in worship? Amen.